We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. It's not as cool as winning SFB, but a half a million dollars is pretty sweet. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast brought to you by MyFFPC.com and Rotoviz Radio. My name is Dan Sanio and I am here with my lovely co-host per mostly always aside from when I decide to not be here, Mr. Nathan Powell. Nathan, how are you doing this fine evening? We we are splendid. Uh, we are we're starting to give you, you smell that, Dan. The smell of football is about to be in the air. Training camp's about to start soon, which means that the NFL season is going to start soon, which means we're going to hate football in about eight weeks. So um, <laughs> just get ready for it. Yeah, you can definitely smell the pigskin in the air, and uh, you can also smell most people being miserable. So uh, they <laughs> usually go hand in hand, which is super super nice. So. Today or tonight or whenever you happen to be listening to this, we are going to do just a little bit of news and notes. We've got one kind of trade scenario and then a bunch of trades that we went to you guys to get today. So thank you for all of the extra submissions. Greatly appreciated. Gives us something to talk about. Give us gives us something that's relevant to you as listeners. And we're always up for taking on these these types of questions and, and doing 
maybe more listener questions, even if it doesn't pertain to actual trades, just dynasty topics in general. And um, you can definitely get us on Twitter as well. We can we can either go over it there or try to extend it to the show itself. But before we dive into our news and notes, we just want to make sure we let everyone know that you can still get your listeners only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content. And best of all, it supports the podcast. That's us. That means we get to be here every week and talk to you. And speaking of you, we'd like to thank you for your awesome support. So we have an NFL pass to give away. All you have to do is subscribe and then go and rate and review the Road of His Radio channel. And each of your other reviews on all of the other shows for all of them that have their own feed, uh, those count as entries as well. So do us a solid, hit that rate button, and you get yourself your entry into the contest for the giveaway. And the more reviews, the more chances you have to win, obviously. So another cool thing, it'll just kind of add to what you have now. So if you're already a subscriber, and you happen to win the free pass, it'll tack on an extra 12 months and get you going all the way until the start of next season, which yeah, it's hard to beat that too. So free pass, all you have to do is go and rate and review us on iTunes, and uh, you got a chance to win. That sounds pretty awesome, but not quite as awesome as our first news and note of the day. What will kick us off? This is um, huge. I mean, we need like a breaking news drop right here. This is absolutely massive, you guys. Da-da-da. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that's certainly not really breaking news. That's more so like a big play. Well, this guy's going to be making big plays this year, and that's Justin Hunter. We'll be working out for <laughs> Patriots either as you're listening to this or shortly before you listen to this. Justin Hunter, the big news of the day, will be working out for the Patriots. They, they have targets. You know, they, they, people always say uh, he people will be a good fit with the Patriots. Why not Justin Hunter? You know, it's it seems like the best of every world right there. You get... You get the Dynasty Darling from back in the day, a, a personal favorite of one of the Dynasty Tradecast co-hosts. And I, I mean, we're one step closer to stardom, man. How are you feeling about this? Uh, I mean, honestly, I had forgotten about my <laughs> Justin Hunter fandom. We, we all had. Like <laughs> somebody, rem- I don't even remember who it was. Someone tweeted at me like a Justin Hunter thing. And it was, it was even before this news came out. And I'm like, crap, I forgot that I like Justin Hunter. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was Bruce Matson. No, 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 no. That, that was about this news. There was something oh, a few days okay. ago before this news came out that reminded me because the, the face app, uh, the thing that's been going viral, yes. shortly before that came out, someone reminded me of Justin Hunter because my, my face app tweet was still waiting for Justin Hunter to break out. Right. I, got, <laughs> I love that. I love that. So I'll, obviously this probably isn't going to be a thing. We just wanted to throw it in there because it's always funny to talk about the busts from back in the day. So maybe Justin Hunter catches on. Maybe he's just a practice squad body. But it sounds like the Patriots are looking for another wide receiver. So who knows? It, it may go somewhere, but I'm going to go ahead and doubt it. The actual A topic of the last couple of days here is the Tyreek Hill news. It sounds as though he is going to not be suspended. And that makes a pretty big difference in the Chiefs offense as far as keeping their you know elite playmaker in there. So from from the big picture, I think we see a pretty consistent offense from what we saw last year. Obviously, it's hard to not have some sort of regression from the incredible season that they had. But every piece is basically intact aside from like 10 games of Kareem Hunt. Plus, you add in Miko Hardman. And um, hopefully a healthy Sammy Watkins. We'll see. That that's kind of 
up in the air right now, but everything looks like it's a runaway freight train right here, bringing back that KC offense. So Nathan, do you have any, any real takeaways from, from Tyreek not being suspended yet or at all? And do you think this moves him back to where he was being valued? Or do you think there's still kind of that line where we can't go past up into that first round again? Yeah, I I don't quite see the rebound that everyone else does right now where they're taking him top 15, top 16 in startups. I I think that even if we're completely done with with this incident and that, you know, there's nothing going to result from anything before today, there's still the risk of something like this happening again or any other thing happening off the field with, you know, his past behaviors, you know, the, the, the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. And, you know, not that I'm not like, you know, saying we know anything for sure with the Tyreek Hill situation, but his past behavior shows his future behavior might not be the best is basically what, what I, I'd like to say here. And so from a short-term perspective, I think it's fine to value him as, you know, a top five wide receiver this year and a guy who should be, you know, a top 12 to 15 dynasty wide receiver. But if I'm investing that high of a pick in in a dynasty startup or trying to make that type of value, I'm just going to go with the guy who's similarly talented that doesn't have this off the field risk, whether it's maybe he's a little bit older than Tyreek, or maybe he has a couple more injuries than Tyreek. I, I just don't really find the off the field risk palatable at this very high price. It would make sense. It would make sense if he had, you know, his upside and his price was like a fourth round startup pick. Sure. That would make sense. And it would, you know, account for the possibility that in a year he does something bad again. But as a first, maybe early second round startup pick, that risk is not there. Yeah, and and for those curious about buying and selling, I don't really think you can do either now. That that window is slammed shut. Whether the original news scared the socks off of you, I, I think you can sell. I think you can sell. Right you, now. Yeah, I mean, if you're comfortable cashing out and and you think you can get yourself into another top, let's say eight or ten wide receiver and maybe something else, uh, because I, I as much as we want to believe that rebound is going to go back to that top five or six wide receiver, I think it's still probably just a back end wide receiver one because of that lingering thought in the back of your mind that, hey, it, it could happen again. We could go through this panic again. So I definitely don't think you can buy unless you're happy at buying at like low-end wide receiver one prices, in which case, go crazy. It's just kind of a it's kind of a weird spot. But definitely the, the big, big window to buy at a steep discount is for sure over. But another big effect it has on the offense, or at least the perceived offense, is what happens with Nicole Hardman now because he was being propped up a whole bunch and probably not with great cause because he's still just a rookie, doesn't have a ton of draft capital. We don't know much about him. Obviously, he hasn't even played a game yet. But now this you know, the, the no suspension for Tyreek. And now everyone's just writing off Miko Hardman. Everyone had planted their flags and are now, you know, just kind of celebrating the fact that Tyreek's back. They were right, blah, 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 which is a horrible hill to die on, by the way. And this is definitely not a guy that's dead by any means. So if people are like, oh crap, he's, he's gone for at least the next two years. There's no reason to have him go by because everything I've been seeing, I know Nathan, you have one of these. It's it just seems silly. Now people are just giving up on him. We haven't even seen him play a game. Yeah. While I do think it's an overreaction to put Tyree Kill back in the first round of the startup, I think it's even more of an overreaction to put McCole Harmon back down to, I mean, I, I guess if you did a rookie draft right now, he might fall to like the mid second. You think that sounds about right? Yeah. 
I think that's a bit of an, or I would say it's a lot, a lot of an overreaction. Um, the the trade you referenced today, I went Michael Hardman shopping, you know, just sending out offers in pretty much every league. And I got a bite and my, my initial offer was basically a second round pick for Hardman. And his counter was Ian Thomas for Hardman. And honestly, I think I might value the second round pick over Thomas. I do like Thomas and I talked about him being a buy as, you know, a late round tight end, but the upsides comparing Ian Thomas, who like his upside is a low end tight end one, and Hardman, whose upside is like a mid wide receiver two, probably. Now, obviously not in year one, but you know, long term, that's I, th- I would say that's around where his upside is. Just talking about upsides alone, Thomas and Hardman really shouldn't be in the same conversation. Not even close. And and I understand again, people people panic, people overreact. You definitely need to react, but going over over the top is never the correct scenario. So. Uh, is there anything else in this offense that you think gets pushed to the side, maybe loses more value than had been kind of perceived going into this week with kind of the everyone assumed Tyreek was going to be suspended? Do we think Travis Kelsey takes a little bit of a hit? Do we think Sammy Watkins loses some value? Or maybe these guys gain by having the big playmaker back in the offense? This might be me reaching because I don't have any shares. But I think it might it might ding Damian Williams just a little bit with all of that firepower in the passing game with with Kelsey and McCole Hardman and Watkins and Tyreek Hill. They really don't have much need to throw to the running back out of the backfield, and that's where some of Damian Williams' production was supposed to come from slash did come from last year. So I do think it, it dings Williams a little bit. I think his touchdown production will, will decrease just because there's there's so much going in, in the passing game. And Har- Mahomes is good enough that like he could just throw it 50 times a game, and guess what? The Chiefs will score 42 points a game. So I, I think that there is some risk to Damian Williams, but I'm not going to simply dismiss him because you know when you're the RB1 on a team scoring 42 points a game, you're going to get enough points to be relevant. Yeah, you're definitely going to get yours. I just th- I think having him in there, uh, aside from from sheer volume, I think it helps everyone in the offense as a whole. I think as big of a season as people were thinking Travis Kelsey was going to have, I think those numbers are probably going to be more accurate with Hill on the field than Hill off the field because now you have that legitimate wide receiver one on the outside that the defense has to focus in on, and you're not going to send two guys to cover Travis Kelsey, and he's such a mismatch that he's going to – basically be able to do whatever he wants all game, every game. And and then you even look at the wide receiver two and, and Watkins or potentially if he's injured Hardman. And now those guys are going up against the secondary defensive back, potentially even the third defensive back if they slide one over to work on Kelsey. And now you have another mismatch because those are both two really good players that, well, we're thinking Hardman's going to be at least decent. But Watkins, a, a formerly elite prospect, has has shown that he can do it when he's on the field. I mean, now we're just looking at more mismatches for, especially for a team that's definitely going to throw the ball a lot. Even though they're going to be blowing teams out, they're going to throw enough in the first half to make to make everyone completely relevant. Yeah, and, and just to go back to Hardman for a second and his, you know, short to long term outlook. Uh, when you look at the contract situations of Hill and Watkins, Hill has one year left on his deal, and even once the the non suspension was announced, the Chiefs kind of floated out there like, hey, like. If anyone wants to take on this PR nightmare, like we'll let you have them. And obviously, no, that was probably just a PR move by the Chiefs to say, "Hey, we're not like married to the idea of keeping Tyree Kill forever." And obviously, they haven't signed him to the long-term extension yet. 
and Watkins only has two years left on his deal. So if you if you look at this Tyree Kill news and say, okay, Milko Harmon doesn't have a shot to ever be relevant, that's just not true because you know the the future is uncertain for both Hill and Watkins. And then if you just look at let's say you have Hill, Watkins, and Hardman, no matter what, it's explosive enough of a passing offense that all three could be relevant. Yeah, definitely in like best ball stuff. Watkins is one of my higher end assets for for like sheer best ball shares, just because of the games that he's going to be there and on the field, they're going to be strong games. They're not going to be like win your league type performances, but they're going to be strong games because we know he can perform as a wide receiver. One, he's done in the past and he did it in a horrible offense. And now he's in arguably the best offense and working as a wide receiver too, which I mean, I'm technically wide receiver three, if we want to count Travis Kelsey. So uh, I just think, I think, yeah, there's, there's so much to happen here that you really can't write anybody off quite yet. So um, with that, we can pivot to another topic, which is pivoting off of Zach Ertz. We just got this question right before we started the show, actually. And the question was, it seems obvious that it's a time to sell Ertz, which I'm not sure that's obvious. Maybe it's kind of been trending that direction for a year or so. Uh, Obviously, we wanted his production from last year, but uh, it still is probably a decent time to sell. So the question is, who do we pivot to? Do we do we try to get ourselves into another you know, mid tight end one? You know, your OJ Howards, your David Njoku's, Evan Ingram's, or do we have to slide down further? So if you're moving Ertz, Nathan, are we are we okay taking a middling tight end and something else, or do you feel like you need a real tight end in order to slot to move off of Ertz right now? If I'm moving off of Ertz. It's not going to be to the O.J. Howard, Ingram, Hunter Henry tier because you're just not going to get enough on top of one of those guys to pay off You know the, the slight decrease in production. Maybe even I, I would say O.J. Howard is, might, might not even be any decrease in production because he's really, really good right now. But in terms of just like your team outlook, you have Ertz, you're trying to you know decrease how much you're paying at the tight end position. I think you're going to go a little bit lower. Maybe you can go down to T.J. Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper is, I think, perennially one of the best values at tight end position. He's not going to, you know, be winning you any games, but he's just going to, you know, keep on giving those eight to ten point PPR games where he's not losing you the week, but he's not winning you the week either. So I think that if you're trying to extract the most possible value out of the tight end position while not losing out a ton, I think Hooper is a good target to go from Ertz to Hooper. But if you're trying to go a similar type, you know, top five tight end upside. I think that Hawkinson or Fant is the move where you can probably get eh, – you think you can get like a late first on top of one of those for Ertz, maybe an early second? Maybe with Fant. Uh, you know, maybe with either of them. I guess it would depend on the league and obviously the tight end scoring settings and this and that and the other thing. But it's nice getting young, but we kind of over time – have to have it smash into our skulls that going young at tight end isn't always the right move. We've been we've been kind of fortunate to have some some younger tight ends put ping up some actual tight end seasons in fantasy football, which is something we're not really used to outside of like Rob Gronkowski doing it as a rookie and as as a younger guy. So I don't know. For me, if I can move go one to one for say OJ Howard or Evan Ingram, I think I might even consider that move. Just because I think there is a decrease in Ertz usage this season, I think they get Dallas Goddard more involved. I think if Alshon Jeffrey's healthy, he's going to pull a lot of targets. And I think they try to work a little bit more with that backfield. And even someone like uh, Deshaun Jackson coming back, that's that could take a little bit off the top of the offense too. So 
I just I think if if I'm moving off of Ertz, I'd rather I'd rather slide back a spot or two and just get younger and go uh, just a one for one deal with Howard or Ingram. Otherwise, I do like the Hooper move because I think if you go Hooper, you could still get like a low end wide receiver two or high end wide receiver three on top because, like you said, Hooper's just always underrated, always undervalued, and he's putting up decent, if not solid tight end output every single season that he's been and you know it's not ever gonna blow the doors off of your fantasy football team but it's a nice kind of steady solid average just to kind of roll with and let's roll into our other part of this zach Ertz question and coincidentally it has to do with the chiefs zach Ertz or damien williams i'll give my take because like i said i i'm not the highest on damien williams so i think i'll take Ertz here i, I think that he has the more long-term value and the more, you know, the much higher floor this year. I mean, the floor for Damian Williams is returning back to be like being a middling NFL running back, going behind maybe a Carlos Hyde, going behind maybe a LaShawn McCoy who gets cut from the Bills. So I, I think that the lock, he has much more of a locked-in role as the tight end one for the Eagles, the top five tight end in the NFL, than Damian Williams does as the running back for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think you definitely need something on top of Damian Williams here to move off of Ertz. Context aside, whether it's tight end premium or – shallow rosters or need RB help just from a pure value perspective. You definitely need to get something more on top of Williams to move off here. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at gapfactory.com. All right, let's move on to our first trade of the night, and it's going to be Nikhil Harry, Hayden Hurst, and Ian Thomas for A.J. Brown and Royce Freeman. What are your thoughts here, Dan? So just so usually what I do when I'm looking at trades is I try to break it down and, and try to get the pieces that are most alike into the same category and then kind of decide where I want to go from there. So here I think the obvious move is to pin A.J. Brown up against Nikhil Harry, and then you look at Hayden Hurst slash Ian Thomas versus Royce Freeman. So for me, I would pretty comfortably take A.J. Brown and Royce Freeman here. I think A.J. and Nikhil Harry are both close enough. They both have somewhat similar draft capital. Obviously, one goes to <laughs> an every year great offense and one goes to an every year pretty bad offense. So I think we still see the Titans make a little uptick uh, this season. And I'm not sure Harry's as involved in in the year one offense as everyone believes he's going to be. And then taking Royce Freeman or a couple of we don't know tight ends. I think Royce Freeman's draft capital is still a little bit sticky here. I still think he's going to split time pretty nicely with Philip Lindsay because I think they work really well together as a backfield. And Hayden Hurst, he was injured. He was kind of off last season, but I still think Mark Andrews dominates that that tight end uh, as from a, at least from a target perspective. Now, we talked about this last time about the Mark Andrews train kind of going crazy, but I still do believe he dominates that the tight end room at least. And then Ian Thomas is still kind of a question mark because, you know, Greg Olson, yes, he has one foot in the grave, but we don't really know 
what Ian Thomas is going to be. He's shown some flashes. He's had good games and he's had bad games like most young players do. I just feel like Royce Freeman has more upside than the combination of those two. And I think AJ Brown and Nikhil Harry are probably a toss up. Yeah, for me, this is a really tough one. I, I just don't think Royce Freeman matters enough for me to differentiate between these two top wide receivers. I, I mean, I, I do think Harry and Brown are, are very close, but the fact that Harry went in the first round, went to a better situation. I've been scorned by the Titans before, which is a really stupid logic, but I'm going to use it anyways. So yeah, I, I just don't think Royce Freeman makes up enough of a difference for me to choose what I think is a lesser wide receiver prospect. Plus I mentioned that I do like having Ian Thomas on my teams. You, uh, you are an Ian Thomas kind of guy. That's, uh, that's definitely, definitely important. Uh, you know what other kind of guy you are? FFPC. <laughs> You're an FFPC <laughs> kind of guy. Rotoviz fans, give me one second here to tell you about our good friends, the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first Dynasty League, and they've now grown into be the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. That's still, every time I read that is nuts to me. Brand new leagues, uh, brand new dynasty leagues, that is, are forming right now, starting at $77 and going up. You've got standard leagues, super flex, best ball formats, and when we say standards, PPR. That's the new standard. That is standard. For those of you ready for your greatest challenge, by the way, take a look at this year's FFPC main event. What is the main event exactly? It's the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football, and this year it's coming at you with half a million dollar grand prize and over three million dollars in total prizes that is insane and you can go to las vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the planet hollywood resort casino or draft online from the comfort of your own home main event drafts begin august 23rd and run through the start of the season so i mean make sure you get in there you, you get into those big events like that how cool would that be nathan could you imagine i mean it's not as cool as winning sfb but a half a million dollars is pretty sweet oh it's, it's not bad I, th- I think that we should just they should give it to us <laughs> I, I agree i think i think ffpc you love us we love you i think the half million we can just donate that to the dynasty Tradecast fund <laughs> there you go <laughs> All right, let's hop into our second half of Dynasty Trades galore. And this one was a head-scratcher for me, and maybe it is for you. I know you're an Oklahoma guy. So, Hollywood Brown for Kiki Kuti. What are your thoughts on this one, Dan? So, let me start with Kiki. I think think he showed enough last year where we should be valuing him a little bit more than I think we are. Uh, and, And maybe I'm just more removed from that market but it seems like he's not really being highly sought after and not necessarily that he should be because obviously you still have DeAndre Hopkins. You still have uh, Will Fuller and then you go to Kiki and in that offense, I feel like that's going to be another uh, super explosive offense big time. As long as uh, Deshaun Watson stays healthy, they have some form of running game that that offense is going to basically be able to do whatever it wants. And I think it can support three wide receivers obviously not super fantasy relevant wide receivers. So our question in Houston comes down to is Will Fuller going to be healthy enough for a full season to completely take away Kiki Cootie. Now we look at the other side of Marquise Hollywood Brown, rookie Baltimore Ravens. And obviously again, draft capital is there, but it's the Baltimore Ravens. Now everyone seems to think that Lamar Jackson is still going to run the ball like 600 times this season. 
I feel like we are due for kind of a a pretty big jump for Lamar Jackson as a passer. Obviously, he wasn't asked to do much of it last year as a rookie because they knew what he excelled at and they just wanted to make the game as straightforward and simple for him as they possibly could, which smart on the Ravens taking in, taking advantage of someone's strengths like that is, you know, just good coaching. It's, it's simple. It sounds stupid, but there's a lot of guys that don't do that. They try to force people into, into different boxes and it just doesn't ever work out. So I think just strictly based on draft capital here, I think it's Hollywood Brown by a good amount. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we should be writing off Kiki Kuti at all. I think he's got more value than what's being perceived. And I, I think this one's just a, a pretty simple case of new shiny versus potential production. Yeah, I, I have a few Kiki Kuti shares that are on one-year deals entering the 2019 season. And I've been trying to trade them, you know, just because I, I didn't want to worry about having to re-sign him in the following season. And I have not been getting any bites. And one dynasty strategy that I have is when I'm trying to trade a player on my roster and it's not working, I kind of just go to my other leagues and say, okay, maybe I should be the one trying to acquire this guy because people just aren't valuing him, him correctly. So, I mean, I, I think Cootie's a, a nice guy. He's probably worth like a mid-second right now. But, you know, I, I don't think that his upside or floor matches that of a wide receiver one in an offense that was a first-round NFL draft pick that had amazing production at, at Oklahoma. You know, there, there's so many th- things pointing in the direction of Marquise Brown here that you kind of have to go him. But that doesn't mean Tiki Kuti is a bad player. Yeah, I, I think I think the the explosiveness of Houston makes this maybe maybe a little more relevant than I was leading it to believe because you know the the passing the the sheer volume is going to be there for Houston and I, for Baltimore it's just really not going to be and I feel like they're going to spread the ball out as much as humanly possible and just do whatever they can to make Lamar Jackson comfortable back there. So for me, it's it's still Hollywood, but I can see how this might be close. Okay, next trade we are going to cover. We have Corey Davis and a 2020 first for Julio Jones. So your big elite super stud who happens to be aging or you're yet to be anything and those highly sought after 2021st. Nathan, how are you feeling about this one? Maybe it's just me, but at first glance, this seems like a fairly cheap price for a guy who's a locked in top six wide receiver. Like, yep. you know, the, the real risk in this deal is that Corey Davis breaks out, but really we have, I mean, we've seen signs of him being a good player, but we haven't seen signs of him being a top five wide receiver. And that's really the only way you lose this deal by trading Corey Davis in a first for Julio Jones, or of course, mi- misdiagnosing where the first is could also hurt as well. But let's just assume the person diagnosing this as a mid first is accurate then I, I think this is very minimal risk to add a bunch of production this year and in the next couple of years as well. Yeah, I agree. I think first look, it it jumps off the page that this is Julio in a landslide. But if you sit and kind of think about it just for a little bit, maybe this is a team trying to sell Julio Jones that maybe hasn't been as competitive the last couple of years as they, as they wanted to. And Julio is maybe one of their best, if or maybe only good asset and they're trying to turn it into something different and not everyone's, you know, jumping in their cars and driving to the store to pick up a, a used Julio Jones off the shelf. But if you can do it for a big upside guy in Corey Davis and a potentially okay 2021st, I don't hate it. I just feel like if you're in any sort of way contending, this is Julio by a lot. But if you're just trying to rebuild, which it seems to make sense, this would be that kind of trade. I don't, 
I don't completely hate going Corey Davis in a first. I just feel like there's there's some missed potential value there, and and maybe shopping around to a couple more teams to try to find something a little more proven than Corey Davis and still getting that first. But I can't really really hate on this one because I do believe that Corey Davis can still be at least like a top twenty five wide receiver. The problem is is that's a pretty big leap from top five to top twenty five, and then adding in that first. Yeah, and you talked about maybe going higher than Corey Davis with the first. I would actually be going the other direction. I would be going lower than Corey Davis. I'd be going for more of a Kiki Kuti or, you know, a, a player around that range that can get you an additional first, first and a half. The way you're liquidating in a rebuild, you're really trying to get as much future assets as possible because future assets don't get injured. And yes, you do want to have some, you know, promising players that can gain value over the course of the year. But in a true rebuild, the, the, the firsts are going to be what turns it around for you. For sure. Looking at this, it, it, to me, it just feels like a two first or maybe a two and a half first for Julio Jones. Yeah. I guess it all comes down to how you feel about Corey Davis. So that one's relatively straightforward. Next trade, let's go with Le'Veon Bell or David Montgomery and a 2020 first. Nathan, are you still scared off by the prospects of what Le'Veon Bell could maybe missing a year do? Or are you on the David Montgomery bandwagon? Let's let's pick a side here. I'm big on Le'Veon right now. I, I think that this is a very fair price for him. Obviously, I've, I've been a Sam Darnold stan. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, Le'Veon Bell helps turn that young offense into, you know, at the very least, a middle of the road NFL offense, which says a lot compared to what they were last year so I, I think that Le'Veon Bell is a guy who you know pe people are drafting him in the mid to late second of redraft leagues and I don't understand why he's not going five or six in redraft leagues so I'm big on Le'Veon here and I don't think that Montgomery in a first is that high of a price to pay yeah you know two two firsts for a former elite running back who I would imagine is still going to be I, why is he former he hasn't well, done because... anything to prove he's not <laughs> A season, a season away going from one of the better offenses to one of the worst offenses isn't exactly the greatest thing in the world for your, your value. At least that's my perspective. Now, we see all these arguments on Twitter, uh, on all of your favorite websites about what Le'Veon Bell can expect, former Adam Gase offenses. And the kind of thought there is a lot of folks seem to think that they're going to spread the ball around more in the backfield than we maybe seem to think because Kenyon Drake never got that many touches and Ajay Ajayi never got that many touches and even Matt Forte only got so many touches. Well, folks, none of those guys are as good as Le'Veon Bell. Matt Forte at his peak is probably about the same person. However, we're talking about washed up Matt Forte when he was working with Adam Gase or at least on the verge of being washed. Kenyon Drake is nowhere in the same conversation. 200-yard game three times Ajay Ajayi? He's maybe in this on the same planet, but definitely not close in value or close in ability or anything like that. So I think I think we see Le'Veon Bell as a true bell cow. He he dominates every facet the same way he did in Pittsburgh, just to a little lesser extent, because this isn't going to be the offense that scores all the points that Pittsburgh was scoring, not the high flying offense that Pittsburgh was. This is a sophomore quarterback in Sam Darnold and a whole bunch of nonsense at wide receiver that we don't really know what to make of quite yet. And no true competition in the backfield. Yes, Elijah McGuire showed some decent games last year, a little bit of ability. He's been kind of a nice stash, but not, not anything that's going to take work away from Le'Veon Bell. And 
there's just not much else there that's really going to do a whole lot to move that needle. So for me here, as much as I've kind of transformed into hopping on that David Montgomery bandwagon a little bit, because I think he does well, not great in Chicago. I think, I think it makes sense for him. I think giving up two first, you know, with taking the player out of it for Le'Veon Bell is something I would do all day, especially if I'm looking for running back help or, or someone of, of elite status, because Le'Veon definitely should still be in that category, no matter how you feel about the New York Jets, because they're probably still not going to be great, but Le'Veon's going to get his. All right, let's move on to our next one, and it's going to be a big one. Superflex League, Patrick Mahomes for Kyler Murray in two twenty twenty firsts. What are your thoughts here, Dan? That, that <laughs> that's that's a big boy trade. Someone someone put their big boy pants on today, went to work and made it happen. So obviously, looking at this, you have the quarterback one in Patrick Mahomes, and you have an unknown commodity in Kyler Murray. We know he was great in college. We've seen all the numbers. We've watched him play. And we know that firsts only gain value. So this, for me, is something, this Kyler side is something that really is only going to gain value unless Kyler completely bombs. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he can't gain any more value. He's already quarterback one and already propped way high up. And he's, he's, on, his own, he's on his own tier in that quarterback one conversation. And Kyler's, you know, low end QB one, wherever he falls there. And then you throw in two first that have even a little bit more value now when you're considering a super flex league, because now you're getting a couple more quarterbacks taken. That means some other skill position guys are falling, or maybe you're able to get a quarterback with one of those picks. And now you're looking at a two quarterbacks for one plus a little bit of cheese on there. So I, honestly, I think if I'm moving Patrick Mahomes, this is the type of return I'm looking for. And I would probably be pretty happy to pick up Kyler in a couple first to get off of the Mahomes wagon here, just because I do believe in Kyler Murray. I think he's going to be a solid uh, NFL quarterback. He's got all sorts of upside with his arm and with his legs. So I, I think any, any potential loss you might get just through sheer volume in that Kansas city offense from Mahomes, you can make up for in the running game with Kyler Murray. Yeah. For me, everything that like I'm thinking about, makes me want to pick Patrick Mahomes. There really, obviously there is going to be some regression, but there really is no reason there should be, you know, his weapons are getting better. You know, he's going to be progressing as a quarterback. He's going to be getting better at the position and he's so young and quarterbacks have this such a long shelf life. There are so many ways for the other side to lose just by not being as good as Patrick Mahomes. Oh, for sure. But, but at, at the end of the day, it does come down to uh, Adam Harstad's rule of four firsts where no player is worth more than four firsts or worth four firsts. And Kyler Murray is safely worth two firsts. So if we have Kyler Murray at two firsts and then two more firsts, that's four firsts. So just too much to give up for one player, even if it is arguably what should be the highest valued player in Dynasty and Superflex in the last 10 years. Right. And and let's say Kyler does, you know, have a bad rookie season or or maybe just is kind of a bust. You're still going to be able to sell him in the next 12 months if you see him kind of busting. It's not going to be for two firsts, but you'll be able to move him for a decent return. So then it maybe it turns into you moving Patrick Mahomes for the equivalent of three firsts, which for right now you are trading him for four firsts. That's the valuation, and that makes all the sense in the universe. A year from now, we're going to know what those 2020 firsts are and, and what they've been able to to catch. And then whether or not Kyler blows up 
or he bombs, or maybe he just kind of skirts down the middle of the road and and he's just okay. And and if he's just okay, I think I think this is still a slam dunk for that side because, like you said, no one's worth four first, even even though we don't know really what any of these assets are. Alrighty, let's go with our last trade, and it might be the most confusing trade that's ever been sent to us. <laughs> so we're just gonna go, take it piece by piece. We'll spit out the whole thing first. Here we go. Dynasty trade: Keenan Allen, Zach Ertz, Mark Ingram, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and Philip Rivers for DeAndre Hopkins, Aaron Jones, Jared Cook, Ian Thomas, Peyton Barber, and Ben Roethlisberger. This is a super flex format. Next time, guys, just trade your whole teams. This is this is <laughs> this is nonsense. Okay, let's go back to breaking down the way I like to break these things down. So, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, we I think we all would prefer DeAndre Hopkins there. So maybe you'd have to add something like Tevin Coleman to get to DeAndre Hopkins. So we can slide that to the side. Zach Ertz. I don't really see anything else here that gets close to Zach Ertz. Even if you were to combine Aaron Jones and Ben Roethlisberger, I. <laughs> Well, have a well hard... no, I, I mean, I feel like you could do you could do Ertz and Ingram for Jones, right? No, I would ha- rather have Zach Ertz than Aaron Jones. But I also, oh, okay. I okay. also don't believe in Green Bay to use him the way he should be used. So I, I don't yeah. know this this one. So if you look at the quarterbacks, Rivers and Roethlisberger, full toss up. Uh, yeah. Matt Breida and Peyton Barber, full toss up. Then you have Jared Cook, Ian Thomas, Aaron Jones, Mark Ingram, Tevin Coleman, blah, blah, blah. To me, I just feel like the top two assets coming from the other side with Keenan Allen and Zach Ertz trumps what you're getting in the remainder. Uh, and you're not you're, you're moving laterally at quarterback. You're adding Mark Ingram, who could have a really strong season or seasons for Baltimore, and Tevin Coleman, who's reunited with Kyle Shanahan in an offense that he knows – and they're kind of building the blocks around that one as well. Plus, you get a little bit of hedge there with Brita. And it, it's just, for me, it's, I think I'm easily taking Keenan Allen, Ertz, and the, and the rest over. As much as I love DeAndre Hopkins, he's been my wide receiver one for I don't even know how many years at this point. There's just not enough firepower on that side. Yeah, and when it comes, it's so close with all the other assets that if we look at just straight Rivers versus Roethlisberger, I think Rivers is the much safer asset at this point with less of a threat to retire, less of a threat for his entire locker room to combust. Oh, wait, I forgot Melvin Gordon is combusting as we talk (laughs) speak, so that's probably not even good reasoning. But in general, I I like Rivers more as a fantasy quarterback than I do Roethlisberger. So lots of moving parts here, but I will also side with, you know, there's just more starters. There's one, two, three, four, five starters on one side, and there's one, two, three, three, maybe four. There, there's three basically. Maybe Cook sneaks into being a tight end one, but it's five starters versus three starters. That might be, you know, oversimplifying, but that's what it is. Yeah, and, and the gap between Keenan Allen and, and DeAndre Hopkins isn't that big. The gap between Ertz and Aaron Jones isn't that big. And then the gap between Ingram, Coleman, and Rivers versus Cook, Thomas, Barber, and Roethlisberger. To me, that's just too big of a gap to close. All righty. That'll wrap us up for today. Thanks for tuning in to the Dynasty Trade Cast brought to you by Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by my FFPC. You know, we're getting into training camp soon, about to have some Roto World blurbs. We might do a Roto World blurb show next week just to you know, talk about how to evaluate Roto World blurbs. What do you think about that? I think that uh, I think that sounds like something we would do. 
There we go. I'm. We we normally wait ten minutes to, uh, before the show to plan. We got a week in advance. We got. <laughs> what are we going to do with all the extra time? <laughs> Maybe have a decent show for once. Who knows? There you go. Okay, folks. Well, again, we thank you all for tuning in. We thank you all for rating and reviewing the podcast. We appreciate all the love. We appreciate all the submissions for questions. So that way we can make this content for you and talk about something relevant to you. So for Nathan and myself, thank you. And we will see you all or hear you all or talk to you all next week. Kadoosh. Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.